Today our theme in the In Christ series is we are the children of God. In Christ, we are the children of God. And a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I asked Michelle and Hector if they'd be willing to tell their story. Um, uh, and uh, Michelle's agreed to come up and tell us some things that have happened this year, just this year for them, in their relationship with the Lord as uh, their Heavenly Father. So, Michelle, come on up. You prefer to use this microphone? It just kind of can stand anywhere around it. Do you want to hold a mic? It doesn't matter to you. Okay. Why don't we just use this one? And uh, you can stand anywhere right in there, and it'll hear you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Loud. <laughs> I'm a She's teacher. A school so. teacher. Uh, just want to apologize in advance. I'm I'm a New Yorker, so if you don't understand something, my accent is heavy. Just let me know. Um, I feel so nervous for some reason. I'm never nervous to talk. Those of you that really know me, I'm, I'm a talker. But um, Okay, so our journey started last August, actually. Um, right around this time, um, maybe even this week, we came back uh, from vacation. And I remember when my husband and I got married, I told, he told me, let's, I, wanna, I said, I want, let's have a baby. He said, no, let's do three vacations before we have a baby. I said, all right, fine. So we came back from Puerto Rico sometime this week, and I said, we did three vacations. Uh, so I was like, I, you know, I wanted to really have a, you know, a baby. And so I remember just one time I prayed about it. I, I was like, I'm not going to beg God if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. At one time I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I'm ready to be a mom. If you want me to be a mom, then make it happen. And boom, next month I was pregnant. I'm like, wow, like, this is awesome, because, you know, usually God makes you wait a little bit, but no, I got pregnant like that, that was probably the easiest part of this journey, was me becoming pregnant so quickly, so I, um, you know, we were excited, we actually found out on my parents' anniversary, um, so we, you know, we didn't tell anybody until a week later, on our anniversary, we shared with our parents that, you know, and our family that, you know, we were going to have a baby, and everyone was so excited. And so then, but um, we weren't in the clear because when we found out, I, I had been, you know, bleeding for some time, and I, the whole first eight weeks of the pregnancy, I was bleeding, and I didn't think uh, anything of it until, you know, we went to the doctor, and first they told us that uh, there was no baby there, that the, that the sack was empty. So, you know, we were disappointed and, you know, crying, upset. We went back, and I said, oh, there is a baby in there. Okay, our timing is just off. We said, okay, fine. But, you know, I was still bleeding. Then they told us that I had a, 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 um, a hemorrhage around the, bait, the gestational sac and that eventually it could, it could lead to a miscarriage um, because there's a, it's like a blood clot around the gestational sac. So we weren't in the clear. And then finally we went back a few times and they said, oh, it's all cleared up. And that was at about 14 weeks. And I said, oh, that's wonderful, great. So... At 15 weeks, we announce on Facebook, which makes it like official, you know, when you announce on Facebook and you tell everybody, you know, so we finally were in the clear, we're like, yes, you know, we felt good, you know, about it. And then um, that was at 15 weeks I announced, and then at 16 weeks, my water broke. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on, and, you know, so eventually I called my doctor, she said, come to the hospital. And eventually they told us that my water had broke, had broken. And, um, you know, those of you that know science, when your water breaks, that means you're going to go into labor. Um, so, you know, 
our doctor at the time was, she, she, she was very honest with us. She told us, she said, most people, most women go into labor within 48 hours and they lose the baby. You have a stillborn baby. But she said some people last and, you know, they last some time and, you know, the baby will be born early and probably with a lot of issues. But, you know, if that's the route you guys want to go, it's, you know, it's your decision. Of course, my husband and I were heartbroken, you know. I literally felt like my heart was broken. You know, when you're a teenager and you have a boyfriend, you get your heart broken, you think you're heartbroken. But this was a heartbreak like never before. My heart was truly broken. And um, I remember my husband said, you know what, it's up to you, hon. This is your body. But, you know, I think we should keep going with this. You know, let's just keep going and let's let nature take its course. If it's not meant to be, then, you know, well, you know, the baby will just come on, you know, its own. And so we just said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. So we kept going, and uh, I was at home for six weeks. And mind you, this is a very big risk to 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 have a baby with no fluid. So the baby has no amniotic fluid. That's what keeps the baby safe in this sack. My sack has a hole in it. It just leaks. So she has no amniotic fluid, even though she keeps reproducing it. It just keeps leaking out. So they told us she could have cerebral palsy. They told us she could have, um, like, limbs that were limp because she didn't have any uh, fluid to move her limbs so they could be limp. Uh, you know, she could have brain issues because, uh, you know, the, the, the fluid helps, you know, everything to grow. She could have lung issues because she inhales the, um, the fluid and the fluid helps her lungs to grow. She could have kid, kidney issues because she didn't have enough fluid. She's not inhaling the fluid for her lungs and then letting it out through her kidney, she could have so many problems. And eventually, what could happen is I could even, um, I could have made it to, you know, let's say 22-week mark, and she could have come and given me a, uh, an infection that could ultimately kill me, or I could get an infection so bad that it would um, uh, mess with my reproductive system and we could never have a child again. This was a big, like, issue that we were having, and so... But we decided, we just said, we're going to trust in God, and we're just going to keep going. You know, I was like, I prayed for this baby, you know, in, in, in August, and I was prayed for it, prayed for this baby, and, you know, I, I know that God has a plan, and God has to have a plan somehow, you know. what? And the first thing you feel, you feel anger, because I was so, I mean, I felt hurt, but I was angry. I'm like, I'm young, I'm healthy, why can't I hold a normal baby? Why can't I have a healthy pregnancy, you know? I was so angry at first because I'm like, everybody else, you know, you know, Janet Jackson at 50 was, was pregnant at the same time I was pregnant. And I was so upset. I'm like, she's 50. I'm like, I'm 29. I'm healthy. Why can't I have this baby? And, and a lot of, like, anger built up in me. Even my, you know, I had a coworker that was pregnant at the same time as me. She was due two weeks before me. You know, she was, you know, um, going to do the registry and you know, doing the baby's room and all these things. And I didn't do any of those things. I, we didn't know if she would even ever be here. So I did six weeks at home on bed rest because to the doctors and, you know, the hospital, a baby is not a baby until uh, 23 or 24 weeks when they can survive outside the womb. So at 20, you know, if the baby came at 22 weeks, they wouldn't try to help the baby. It was only at 23 weeks that they would try to help the baby. So they, they uh, at six weeks... I was at home, and, you know, this church showed the love of God because, you know, people came to visit us and pray with us and sent us meals. Like, people we didn't even know. Like, you know, my husband and I, we were always kind of quiet. 
And so we had to look people up on the on the register on the um uh what do you call that? Yeah, on the directories like who sent this this? Oh, oh we know them, but a lot of a lot of people we knew but we didn't know the names. Which we're making a better effort at that to get everyone's name, but and just people like this church has showed us so much love that we were over, overwhelmed, you know, with the amount of love that we were shown, you know, during this hard time. And then, so at 23 weeks, you know, I was admitted into the hospital, and um, you know, they 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 gave us some hope um, because we had been going to the doctors to check on the baby every week, and we had one doctor that told us, well, we had two doctors that told us. You know, it's not doesn't look good for you. You know, but I remember this one doctor. He, um, my husband and I had went, um, and I asked him. I said, "What would you do if you were in this situation? What would you do?" You know, I said, "Are you are you are you are you a are you a dad?" And he said, "Yeah, I have three children." I said, "What what would you do if this was your wife?" He said, "I would have terminated the pregnancy at 16 weeks when this first happened." And so, you know, that hurt me, of course. And so, I just. You know, I kind of just took it, and then, um, you know, of course, every time I left the doctor, I was crying because every time we left, it was just negative news and negative news. You know, she could have this; she would probably have this. At first, we thought it was a boy, actually, and then we found out later on it was a girl. But you know, he would probably have this; he'll probably have that and that. And we just kept hearing negative, negative. And then one day, my husband he went uh, for a day to New York to do a job, and so I went to the doctor by myself. And uh, when I came out, he she was looking at the sonogram, you know, the ultrasound, and you can't see very well because there's no fluid, and the fluid is what helps you to get the picture in the in the ultrasound. You can't see very well, but he showed me. He said, "Look," he says, "Look, right now there's no lungs. There's no lungs there, kiddo. If there's no lungs, then I mean, how do you expect this baby to survive?" And I said, "Well, you know, hopefully we can put the baby on breathing machines." And he says. You can't, if there's no lungs, there's no breathing machine that's going to help the baby. So I'm sorry, but there's no lungs, kiddo. And I remember leaving there, and I was by myself, of course, when he told me that. And so I felt even worse, and I called my parents, and I was hysterically crying. And you know, they were like, "You just got to trust in God and trust in God." And and I and I did, but at the back in the back of my mind, I was just so scared because I wanted a baby so bad. You know, I'm I'm in the field of children. I'm a teacher. Obviously, I love children. You know. And I just wanted the baby so bad, and I was so scared, and I just kept praying, and I kept reading God's word, and I just felt so heartbroken. So by the time I went into the hospital, you know, they were very honest with us. They told us, you know, she could come any day now. She could come any day. So they monitored me. You know, God gave me favor in there. I had wonderful nurses. Like every time, I mean, I was in the hospital for ten weeks. Ten weeks. So sixteen weeks altogether, I held. The baby in my belly with no fluid, no fluid at all. Like every time they would measure, it was like it was like one or two centimeters, and that which is nothing. By the end of your pregnancy, you should have like twenty something centimeters of fluid. So that that's like her. That's like her. I don't even know how she did it. She's amazing, but it's because of God. But anyway, I was in the hospital for a very long time. You know, my husband came every day, and I complained so much. At one point, I was like. I would say the last four weeks, I was just, I had it. I told my husband, I don't want any visitors. I don't want, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to get out of here. I want to, I wanted to give up. And God just kept me going. I don't know. He just gave me the strength because when I wanted to give up, he just, I just kept going. And he just kept going. And, you know, eventually I made it to 32 weeks. And 32 weeks um, was pretty good. You know, that was, that was, 
you know, she was only eight weeks early. But when she came out, you know, um, we had a, I had I had been having contractions for three days, and you know, they were like, "We're not going to do anything. You're not dilating." I'm like, "Oh my God!" But I just got to live with these contractions for three days. You're not going to give me any pain medicine. They're like, "Nope." And they weren't consi- consistent. They were 20 minutes apart, 15 minutes apart, two minutes apart, 10 minutes apart. They weren't consistent. So we just, I just had to stay in pain. And I just was like, oh, I was so frus- frustrated. And um, I had had uh, two doses of magnesium. If, if anybody's in the, mag- um, if anybody's in the, in the medical field, magnesium helps the baby with brain bleeds and it slows down. Um, your labor, so at, cause at 28 weeks I was kind of going into labor, her heart kept dropping, they were gonna, you know, induce me at 28 weeks. But thank God I lasted another four weeks after that, and, um, when she came, they told her she wouldn't cry because her lungs were so weak, you know? And when she came out, she was crying, and we were so excited! And, I never forget, you know, I was having a C-section, so I was just on the table just lying there, basically. But I never forget the, the look on my husband's face because when she came out, like, my husband was like, like, he was like a kid in a candy store. And I don't even think he realized how happy he looked. But he was just like, like, he was just so happy. And I and all I could do, you know, at this point, I had 10 people on me and 10 people with her. Because they knew she would be in the NICU. They knew that she would be, they knew she would be sick. And um, so there was 10 people to the side. And, you know, my head was this way and I could see her and we heard her crying. And um, I was just, like, in shock that she was crying because they told us, oh, her lungs are very weak. They're still very small. She's probably not going to cry. And when she cried, I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know. And so she, she was doing very well. And they took her and they whisked, whisked her and my husband away to the NICU. He had to sign all the papers, say that they could resuscitate her, you know, whatever. And so I was just there. And very quickly I came, I, I went into the recovery room, and very quickly she disintegrated her health was really bad um you know once you came into the world where you have to breathe oxygen and you don't have the umbilical cord helping you her you know her breathing just went downhill very quickly and they told us you know i had just literally come out from being operated on and they were like you know we're doing all we can right now but she's we can't stabilize her you know she's we can't um you know, her numbers were so in the 30s and 40s, and they should have been, like, in the 80s and 90s, and they couldn't stabilize her, and they just said, we just want to let you know she's doing really bad, she's in critical condition, and that's not what you want to hear when you just come out of surgery, obviously, and so I just, you know, I had, I thought that this was the end of the, of the trial, but man, it was just the beginning, and, um, you know, I, I, t- I told my husband, text everyone, tell everyone to start praying for her. And he texts Pastor John and everyone. We just, you know, we just needed people to pray for her. And, you know, um, the first two days she was very sick. She was on an oscillator, which is like a, a breathing machine that gives short, quick breaths. Because if they put on a ventilator, it would blow her lungs because her lungs were so little and so weak that the lungs would just burst open and she'd have a hole in her lungs. And they have to operate, which is, you know, even worse. So they had her on an oscillator, which gives, it's a ventilator, but it gives short, quick breaths. So she's like, like, basically. And so that was keeping her alive. She literally had maybe like 10 lines in her. I'm not over-exaggerating. I mean, she had this huge machine of um, nitric oxide, which is kind of like um, something that kind of gives you like a euphoria to keep going. It, right? I, I, it's like... Right? It's like a gas or something. 
it's like a laughing gas, right, that keeps you, like, that makes you kind of happy and, like, you know, drugged up, I guess. She was on fentanyl, which is um, a drug that Michael Jackson and Prince died of from overdosing. It's very strong. She was on dopamine, which um, kind of, like, relaxes her. Any little thing, like, we couldn't put the lights on because any little thing would just give her stress. It would stress her out because she was so fragile. They had glasses on her to keep her eyes um, covered from the light. They had um, earphone, like, earplugs on her to keep the noise out. I mean, she, like I said, she had lines everywhere in her feet, her belly button, her arms, her um, every, just everywhere. There were just lines everywhere. And, you know, we were prepared for her to be sick, but nothing prepares you to see your baby that sick. And nothing prepares you to see your baby, like, on a deathbed, basically. And it was so critical the first two days we didn't know if she would make it you know I said I wasn't gonna cry and um and I, and I always joke about it but it's really it really wasn't funny at the time but on the third day it's like she rose from the grave like Jesus and she started to do better you know and um that was the day actually my mom had planned a baby shower for me in the hospital and um because you know I couldn't have a regular baby shower so my mom said you know at first, I was like, I don't want a baby shower. You know, I don't know if she's going to come. And then I just had enough faith that she was going to come and she was going to be okay. And so by the third day, she started to do a little bit better. And I had one of the nurses come up and tell us, you know what? She's, she went from 100% oxygen to 90% oxygen. And that was such a small change, but it was just what we needed to hear, you know, to keep us going. And, um, you know, by the end of the night, she was down to like, I think, 68%. I think I had told Pastor John or something like that. I had texted him. And little by little, she got better. But she got better so quickly compared to um, what they what they were thinking. Every time a nurse had come in to see me when I was in the hospital, they're like, you're still here? Wow. And another week, you're still here? Oh, my goodness. Like, you just had, you're still here. And at that point, I had gotten to know the nurses. I knew their names. I knew their husbands' names. I knew their children's names. I knew all about them. I knew, you know, I had I had just gotten to know all the nurses at that point because I was just there for so long, 10 weeks. And um, uh, and then even in the NICU, once I got to the NICU, you know, when, you, when a nurse takes over for your baby, they're supposed to read the chart. So the, every time a nurse, every time we had a new nurse, they would say, man, I read your chart. How did you do it? How did you last 16 weeks, another 16 weeks with no fluid? And, you know, me and my husband just say, I don't know. That was just God. Just, you know, God helped us. And every time, man, I read your chart today. Wow, you were ruptured so early. How did you do it? And I'm just like, I don't know. It was just God. You know, it's just such an amazing story because usually, like I said, like some women, they can last four, five to six weeks. I'm, I'm part of a Facebook um, group where this happens to women. By the way, this happens to 1% of women in the world. I'm like, wow, I'm the lucky one, 1% of women. <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm with this Facebook group, and every day people, women post their dead babies, you know, every every day. And I was pray, you know, I know there's a reason why I was there, so I was you know, pray for the women, but sometimes I'm like, God, why, why, why us? Why me? Why did you do this for us? You know, and I think it was really our faith that just kept us going because, you know, so many times I wanted to give up. So many times I cried. You know, I cried myself to sleep in the hospital. I cried myself to sleep at home when I was on bed rest. 
you know, and I didn't think that she was going to ever be here. And, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night with her, I always pray for her and I thank God for her. And I speak verses over her life because she truly is a miracle. You know, she shouldn't be here, according to the doctor. She should not be here. And, um, you know, she, she went very, like I said, very quickly she got better. She went from uh, the ventilator, the, the, um, the oscillator, which was the short breaths. Then the doctor said, you know, she's doing better. Let's put her on a, on a, a ventilator. They put her on the ventilator, and she was upset. She was breathing over the ventilator, so she was upset with the ventilator. They said, you know what? We're not going to, we decided to put her on a CPAP. So I got a phone call. They said, oh, we put her on the CPAP. I'm like, am I hearing things? I, you know, I text my husband. I said, I think they said the CPAP, but I'm not sure. CPAP is basically um, pressure, like air uh, in the nose. So she was just on the, you know, pressure in the nose. And at this point, she didn't have something down her throat. So we could hear her cry and, you know, we could, um, you know, just hear her make sounds and stuff like that. Um, then literally like five days later, she was on oxygen in her nose. And like five days after that, she was off of everything. Like she was off of all the breathing stuff. Like I said, very quickly she got well and I was really happy about it. And then, you know, sometimes they say that, she, that they regress. So she was, she's anemic. So she needed um, a blood transfusion because she, she kept desatting, which means that she kept having desaturations in her breathing. Like her, she wasn't getting enough oxygen because she didn't have the red blood cells to give her the oxygen. So they gave her, um, so they put her back on the on the uh, the oxygen, and they had to give her a blood transfusion, which was a super hard day for us because our baby couldn't eat for 12 hours, and she had already been eating at that point. You know, she had already been taking a bottle or and getting um, also milk through her feeding tube, and so for us it was like. For me, it was like torture because as a mom, what do you want to do? You want to take care of your baby. You want to feed her. You know, you want to feed your child. And we couldn't feed her for 12 hours. And she kept crying, and she was just so miserable, and we just felt so bad. And so that was a, a mostly draining day for us. And then after that, um, then like she got the um, blood transfusion. She got the um, her, she, her father was able to eat. And then a day later, they twitched her over to the river, which was. Um, like a, a step up basically like she's going home soon you know so we were excited about that and um uh what was I gonna say um yeah and then and it and it was weird because um I was telling my parents I'm like she was born on the sixth like we don't have anybody in our family born on the sixth what's the significance of the number six and I had looked it up and the number six means incomplete and it also means um it's also the day that Jesus created man, and the sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. So I just thought it was very strange because thou shalt not kill, so we decided not to kill our baby by terminating. And then I said, the sixth day is when uh, Jesus created man, and then incomplete. And then it came to me, I'm like, you know what, when Gabriella came out, she was incomplete. She wasn't fully there. God had to still do his work in her. He had to still work in us. He had to still, you know... Uh, keep us going and, and keep us strong in the faith because if he just gave us a healthy baby right then and there, you know, maybe we would have taken it for granted. But we still, she was so incomplete. She still had to do so much growing and so much healing. And, and so um, finally when we took her out of the hospital, she still wasn't complete. And she still, they told us that she had um, some issues so that we, we have had to go to some doctor's appointments. So uh, how much more time do I have? Sorry. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to be really quick. Sorry. Um, so we, um, they told us that she, uh, in the NICU, they had told us that um, she had um, an abnormal ultrasound of her brain. And so um, when, she, when they told us that, you know, they're like, oh, do you want to do um, a CAT scan? And my husband said, no, I don't want to do a CAT scan. It has a lot of radiation. Let's just, let's just wait it out, you know. So we waited it out, and they said, okay, do an MRI at 40 weeks when she's, like, full term. Maybe, like, her brain, something wasn't growing or something. So we went for the MRI, and, you know, we got the results, and our doctor told us, our pediatrician told us that she, she um, has something called the, uh, missing the septum pellucidum, which is basically um, the middle part of the brain, which connects the left and right part of the brain, and it gives signals to the eyes. So she was missing this part of the brain. So we looked it up, and this can lead to septo-optic dysplasia. So if you read up on it, septo-optic dysplasia, I mean, it just, I mean, I, I started crying, and I, I gave up all hope again. I said, man, if our baby has to be this sick, what are we going to do? Septo-optic dysplasia can lead, it most of the time leads to blindness. Um, <clears throat> she, she would have um, issues with her pituitary gland and her thyroid, so she wouldn't be able to grow. She wouldn't be able to release urine. She wouldn't be able to um, have babies because her reproductive system, she wouldn't um, have enough like hormones to um, have a baby. You know, she could be blind. She would have um, some uh, developmental delays. I mean, she would have so many issues. And so, you know, when you read up on it, like I said, it, you know, I almost gave up. And my husband, he's the one that said, Hun, God brought us this far. Like, why are you going to just give up now? He brought us so far. You can't give up now. We just got to trust in God. And like I said, it was our pediatrician that told us what it might lead to. So we went. They said, okay, go to the neurologist. We went to the neurologist. They checked it out. They said, she looks wonderful. You know, the biggest thing here is the eye issue. If she has something wrong with her optic nerve, then she will probably have all those other issues. But if her optic nerve is fine, you can basically rule out all the other issues. So we went to an ophthalmologist. They looked at her optic nerve, the same doctor that uh, looked at her in the NICU. They never look at 32-weekers in the NICU. But because my situation was so extreme, my water broke at 16 weeks, he happened to have met Gabriella. He said, I remember her. You were the one that your water broke at 16 weeks. How did you do it? And like I said, every time we went to a doctor, we told them, and they're like, wow, like, how, you know, how did you do this? And I always say it's because of God that, you know. And so we went to the ophthalmologist. He said, her optic nerve looks wonderful, actually. And so I was like, wow, thank God. And, you know, the neurologist had told us if that was okay, then probably everything else would be okay. But you should still go to the endocrinologist, which tests the hormones and everything. And so we went there, and... She said, you know, all these, you know, she can urine, she can urinate um, normally. She's growing. She's gaining weight. You know, um, she, uh, she keeps her body temperature. She can keep her sugar. All these different things leading to believe that her hormones are just fine. But let's just test just in case. And everything came out wonderful, of course. And so, I mean, every time we go to a doctor, they just keep, we just keep checking things off the list. They told us her hips were clicking and she would need a brace, which made me sad because she, now she likes to kick her feet and pick her feet up and kind of play with her feet and stuff. And I said, oh, my poor little baby would be restricted. She would have to wear a brace. And we went back and he said, you know what? 
now the 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 the, the socket uh, the hip uh, the bone is uh, I forgot what it's called uh, it's hitting the socket perfectly so she doesn't need a brace anymore and I mean so many appointments oh yeah she was deaf in both ears and now all the fluid has gone out she can hear perfectly now I mean she has had so many issues and just God has just been just really showing off and it just proves that if you keep your faith and your trust in God, he's going to take care of his children. And even though it was a hard journey that I don't wish upon anybody, you know, I know that it's something that my husband and I and my family had to go through because I know that it's something that has built us closer to God. It's built us closer to one another. And it just has made us so thankful for our miracle girl. And any chance we get, you know, people in Walmart, everywhere, like, oh, she's so cute. You know, you know how people are. And they, they stop us and they say, oh, how old is she? And we say, oh, she's four months. And they're like, oh, she's small, you know, four months. And I'm like, yeah, well, she's actually just two months because, and I always, it always gives me the, um, you know, the little doorway to tell, you know, kind of minister and kind of tell somebody about her and what God did for us because she truly is a miracle, you know. And had we listened to that doctor, we wouldn't have our beautiful girl. And he told us to terminate. And I plan to bring her back, um, uh, maybe send a Christmas card um, to him and uh, show him my beautiful girl, and she's just doing wonderful, you know, she's still small, but that's okay, and she'll, you know, she she's getting physical therapy, she's, every day she's just getting stronger and stronger, and she's just, she's just wonderful, and, you know, we just want to thank everybody for praying for us, and visiting us, and the gifts, people sent us gifts, and everyone was just so good to us, and she's just, she's just perfect to us. And we just thank you. And we thank God. And she's such a happy baby. She has the joy of the Lord in her. Probably not now. She's probably like, what is, what's going on? But she really is a happy baby. And, you know, she's just a blessing to us. And if it wasn't for God, she wouldn't be here. So I just wanted to encourage you guys, if you're going through something hard, just keep trusting in God. And I promise you, he's going he's gonna to bring you through it the way he did for us. Praise God is right. We're so excited to see Gabrielle up here. Um, I stole a couple of your pictures from Facebook. Would you guys show those pictures there? There's one. There's the joy of the Lord for sure. It's funny. I made a, I made a slideshow. No, <laughs> and then there's another one yet, too. And uh, there she's on top of a scripture from Jeremiah 2911. I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and uh, not to harm you, give you hope, give you a future. So we're, we're so grateful for this little girl and so grateful for you guys and for the faith that God has developed in you. Um, what was the common refrain over and over again? How did you do it? <laughs> well, we didn't do it. We don't know. It was God. It was God. So we praise God and thank you all. Thank, thank you, you for sharing your testimony. With me. God bless you. God bless you. We're so grateful to uh, Michelle sharing that story. She had a lot more details than, than any of us could ever remember, but that's what a mom does. She lived those things, <laughs> so she knows all about them. And uh, I just want to leave you with the one thought that you are God's child too. You are God's child, and he cares just as much about you. Uh, circumstances don't always change. Uh, things don't always improve. And uh, this is also a part of that story, 
sometimes you got to go through some really tough circumstances. Things that don't look very good, and a lot of people are saying to you, give up, stop. And uh, even those that, you know, you have to trust their expertise, said over and over again to them, this is not going to be good. This is not going to go well. Prepare yourself for that. And they kept hanging on to God. I kept saying, God, you do what you want to do. We're going to trust you. Whatever happens is up to you. And you need to live your life that way, and so do I every day. Let me share a couple of scriptures that we have slides from Galatians 3. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, clothe yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Isn't that great scripture? You are all sons of God. You are all daughters of God through faith in Christ. Because you believed in Christ. You were baptized into Christ. And you are part of the seed of Abraham, which is the seed of faith, uh, of trusting God, of believing in God. So we need to believe in him every day. Um, our main scripture that we use to launch this whole series is in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8. Look at these. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So, you know, there's no limit to that. There's no end to that. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and uh, we have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then one final passage which is in 1 John 3 about the children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I know our time is out today, uh, but in this passage, I just wanted to show you three things. First of all, we are the recipients of God's love. God lavished his love on us that he would call us his children. Do you believe that the God of the universe calls you his son or his daughter? That he brought you into his family? That he loves you with this everlasting, incredible, inexhaustible love? And you're a recipient of that. You, you can't lose that. You will always be the recipient of that love. The second thing it says that we are the children of God. Not we will be, someday this will be. We are right now. You are today the child of God. And God is watching over you. God is protecting you. God is providing for you. Circumstances may not go always the way that you want them to. But you are the child of God right now. and You need to live in that. You need to walk in that. You need to claim the childhood that God has given you. You are part of his family, his forever family. And then the third thing this passage says, that we are becoming like Jesus. You know, one day, 
we're going to see him just as he is, and we'll be just like him. But for right now, we're growing. We're becoming. And we're getting more and more like him as his spirit lives in us, the spirit of God in his children, developing in us the ways of Jesus, day by day, moment by moment, year by year. What has he done for Hector and Michelle this year? How have they grown? Through the hardest circumstances that any parent would face, they have grown. Their faith has developed and matured. And God is going to do that in your life and mine too as we trust in him. So I just want to leave you with that, that we are the recipients of his love, that we are the children of God, and we are becoming like Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your love is uh, lavished on us, poured out on us to overflowing. And that love continues. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we have to go through dark times, troubling times, disappointing times, even times that may produce in us frustration and anger. But Lord, you are constantly there, constantly providing and protecting and doing whatever you do. And we trust you for that. We live for you because we are your children. Your spirit is inside of us. We are heirs of the faith and heirs of the promises because of our faith. And we pray today that you would help us to become more and more like Jesus, our big brother. And that he would just uh, use us somehow to his glory. Wherever we are, whatever we do, whatever we may go through. Lord, we are your children, and uh, we count on you to be with us all of the way. Uh, Lord, may we honor you, may we glorify you by the way we live, because of Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite you to uh, stand up now and sing with us, and let's uh, just continue to open our heart to God as we do that. Please. <laughs>